Before we start, I'm just quickly going to pray for us. God, I bring today's service to you and the message that I have. I ask that you will just take the lead, take control. I know I've got slides and notes, but if you want to mess it up, God, please mess it up and tailor it to every person here in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. It is so good to see you all. A couple of weeks ago, I saw the devil trying to put a blanket of condemnation on our church. It was like a vision that I got, right? And that night when I went to bed, I had this dream, and it was my whole sermon in one dream. So the next morning, I woke up, and I had a go to Pookie, so I went to a coffee shop, and I started writing everything that I got in the dream. And before I knew it, it was six pages long, and I thought, wow, okay, God, we're onto something here. And then quite a few things happened in the following weeks, and I couldn't bring the message. My children had chicken pox, and we couldn't attend church. And today when I woke up, God said to me, today is the day. The timing is now. Um, and I kind of knew it, but I was a little bit uncertain because so much time has passed. But then God said, no, this is the perfect timing. So um, I've named it Breaking the Chains of Condemnation, God's Love versus the Devil's Deceit. Are you ready for it? Okay, let's go. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look exactly at what is condemnation, and then we're going to delve into a little bit of science, a little bit of background, so you can understand what happens in your body, how it works. Um, Yes, and then we're going to link it to the mind, body, and spirit, and how we can resist condemnation, and what lies behind condemnation, and how you can actually gain freedom even though you might experience an attack of condemnation. So what is condemnation? It's straight from the devil, right? God says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who lives in Christ. So it's straight from the devil. It is based on feelings. Because the devil's trying to make you feel something, a feeling of guilt or failure. So I've looked a little bit, at what it actually really is. And it says here, guilt can either be imagined, you imagine that it's real, it's a false guilt. It is the result of a perceived wrong that is not founded in reality. Shame is the feeling or awareness of dishonor, disgrace, or condemnation. It's there to bring shame on you. Why is it there to bring shame on you? To show you that you're unworthy or worthless? You are not good enough? It's everything that God is not, right? Everything God is not. But why does the devil want to use condemnation? Why does he want us to feel like we are inadequate, not good enough? He wants to force us into inactivity so we become become unactive, right? So we don't do things which we are supposed to do. You see, when we are forced to do something, because that's what condemnation does. If you experience condemnation in a situation, you feel forced to do something because you feel so guilty that you're not doing it. So you feel forced. But you see, our God is not a God of force. And then we don't act out of love, and we don't act out of the fruit of the Spirit. 
we actually act out of the opposite out of the, uh, from the fruit of the Spirit. Everything that counters that, and we do something unwillingly. But you see, God gave us a free will. So when we are forced into doing something we really don't want to do because there's this condemnation and this guilt and this shame upon us, then that's not God. That's not how he works. He gave us a free will so we can choose him. And what ultimately happens if you do something out of condemnation, if you feel like you're pressured to do something, you feel like you have no other way, you have to do something, then in due time you will form a grudge, bitterness, anger. You will do stuff half-heartedly. So I want us to look at some of the medical things. So when I was still studying back in the days, I did a major in neuroscience, and I'm really, really interested in that, but that is about 15 years ago. So since then, it has developed a lot, and I'm actually busy delving into that again and getting new knowledge and um, new science-based facts because it is so intriguing and it is so amazing how God actually created our bodies. So I want to delve a little bit into what happens to your body when you feel like you are worthless? What happens to your body when you are filled with shame and guilt? Because there's something happening in your brain. So we're all designed, we all have a nervous system that kicks in. And I'm going to really make this very, very simple. So we all have a nervous system and you've got two separate sides or functions of this nervous system, right? The one is the parasympathetic and the one is the sympathetic nervous system. Now, the parasympathetic nervous system is, a, is where you are relaxed. Hopefully, that's where you guys are at the moment. You're in a state of relaxation. Or maybe when you're sitting in the bath, and you, you're all chilled. You're not feeling the stress of life. Then you're functioning from that side of things. There we go. It's on there. And then you get the sympathetic nervous system. And that is your survival mode. When you go into a fight, flight, or freeze mode. Now, this, you can go, you're always in some sort of space in your nervous system. You can either be in the relaxed one or in the survival one, but it it works on a grading scale depending on what's going on in your life. So when you are on the the sympathetic side and your fight, flight, or freeze system is activated, the blood to your brain, the blood flow becomes less. But that results in something. That means it influences the capacity for you to make sound decisions. That's when we say sometimes we get triggered and you just have a freak out and you have a reaction, an impulsive reaction, which sometimes might be the wrong reaction. It's because you're functioning from this state. Or sometimes you've got to go into your boss's office and you've got to go ask for something and you know that this is really difficult. Your mouth becomes dry. The saliva dries or your palms become sweaty. That's because you function from this state. Because it actually influences your digestive system. That's why your mouth dries up. There's no saliva. Certain hormones are released. Now the intensity obviously depends on the stress experience you have. Now, this is a godly design from God. When you, your body is designed that when you are danger, if there's a lion chasing you, you have to function out of that. 
Because you need less blood in your brain so you can run faster, so you can get climb the tree or what, do whatever you have to do. If, if the house is burning, you have to get the children out. You've got you've to do stuff. It is a God design. But you see, the brain is so clever, so clever that when we function out of a state of stress or condemnation or shame and guilt, it tricks the brain that you function out of the sympathetic system, but on the light, just on the lighter side. So you're in a constant state of shame and stress and guilt, and your nervous system is activated on a permanent basis. And that is what condemnation does to us. Now, does that sound like something God wants for you in your life? No, it doesn't. You know, I put some scriptures on the slides for you. If we can go to the next one, please, Peter. It goes against everything God stands for. God stands for, you, can, you guys can go read this. Um, you can write it down, all the scriptures. You can go read, it, go read it at home. But 1 John 4 verse 8 says, God is a God of love. But Psalm 103 says that he is a compassionate God. Exodus 34 says, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And then Malachi 3 verse 6 says he's an unchanging God. It's one of the songs we sang this morning. He never changes. He never changes. So if those scriptures says he's a God of love and a God of compassion, slow to anger and gracious, then he won't change that and want you to live in a state of condemnation, a state of shame, a state of guilt, a state of anxiety, a state of worthlessness. So why is all of this important? Why is it important that you understand what happens to your body? It is important because our emotions and what we think in our brain has a physical effect on our bodies. So Pastor Will and I, we both grew up with quite a bit of knowledge on this, and we were taught from a very, very young age um, how this works. But as the years have passed, it's actually now been proven medically and scientifically that this is the case. It's all linked. So I'm not saying that if you are sick or something is wrong with your body, that that is always the cause of something that you are thinking or something that you're experiencing in emotion. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that if there is no medical cure for your condition, that means there is a spiritual side that we have to take note of. So for one of, I want to just mention two examples. So one example that we grew up with is that bitterness and unforgiveness can cause cancer. Now, does every person who has cancer has got a root of bitterness and unforgiveness? No. But you stand a chance, an increased chance of getting cancer if you have bitterness and unforgiveness in your life. Why does that happen? It's due to the dysregulation of our body that we're living in, a constant state of bitterness that we get cancer, that cancer is formed. And you know what? We just need to sort out these things. Our life and our health is so important, way too important that we hold on to such negative emotions that inflict, inflict physical damage. 
And I put, I put a, there we go. No, you can go back to the previous one. Thanks. This professor, Dr. Bernie Siegel, he is from the Yale Medical School. Um, he is a clinical professor in surgery. And he's done various studies. And he's actually proven that there is a link between the mind, body, and the spirit. They are 100% interconnected. Now, I want you to go to the next slide. Thank you. I love this picture because it shows the brain and then it shows all these pathways and neurons. And can you see it's all linked to all the organs? It's all linked in our bodies. Didn't God make it incredibly special? It is so, so cool that everything is interconnected and interlinked. They have proven it to such a degree that you now get clinics that they, they turn them as psycho-oncology clinics because they've made the link between the emotions and the sickness and they want to start dealing with that overseas. So the, the, that means that the medical science part of it is catching up. It's catching up with what we've been taught all our years. It's the same with eczema. If you struggle with eczema, and there is no intolerance in your life, or it's not hereditary, there can be a link of fear. I remember when we grew up, um, I struggled with eczema quite a bit, and there were some other people in our church as well at, at a stage, um, and we, no, no ointment worked. We had an ointment called Advantin, and man, we bought those things like it was chocolates over the counter or with a prescription. It didn't work. And then one day at church, the pastor said, who here struggles with eczema and you cannot get it sorted out? And I put my hand up amongst other people. And he said, there's a root of fear. And it was the second time that I heard that because initially I was just a child. I'm like, this is just weird. Like you just carry on, right? But then he said that and they prayed and they addressed the fear in our lives. And suddenly the eczema left. It was gone without any ointment, without any special medicine, gone. It left my body. We've got to sort out the spiritual side of things. So if we, if condemnation and the shame that condemnation brings and the guilt that condemnation brings causes all of this in our body, I cannot believe that condemnation is from God. And whenever there's a message that's preached from the front or if there is something happening in your life and condemnation falls on your life, it is not from God. And I strongly, strongly believe that. Now, yes, do we sometimes feel guilty of something? Gosh, I ate too much chocolate and I feel guilty for a Yes, because I have a brain I can think and maybe it wasn't the right thing to do or maybe I took Vincent's last bit of chocolate and I feel guilty of it because it was the wrong thing to do, Right? But if condemnation comes on your life, it's something completely different. It's actually an accusing voice of the enemy that's telling you how bad you are or how bad you have been and, un and how unworthy you are. And that is not God. That is not a God that we serve. It's a devil's. God's plan is to heal, to bring life and to bring fullness where the devil's plan is to kill, to destroy, to cause sickness and death. It's 100% opposite. 
So what should we do when we experience this condemnation? We need to start doing things out of willingness. And I thought about this. Sometimes we wake up and you feel like, I have to. I have to do this job. And I'm going to use church as an example today. I have to come and I have to serve. I cannot say no to serving because then I'm going to feel condemned about it. Sorry, that's not God. God's not going to condemn you because you're not serving in church. That's not the God I serve. And it shouldn't be the God you serve either. We should be doing it out of love. If you get up and you feel like you want to die when you have to think about coming to church, there's something else wrong in your life. That's not God. It's not God saying, if you don't come to church, you're going to get the biggest heartache in your life. I'm taking away every blessing on your life because you're not coming to church. doesn't work that way. That's not our God. That's not the God who we serve. Might there be something else in the back going on in your life? Maybe it's an attack from the devil. Maybe it's because you've got a bad association, a bad experience. Maybe there's something else going on. Maybe you're so overworked, you're so tired, your body needs a bit of rest. But the condemnation of saying no, that's not from God. That's not from God. I honestly believe that God expects us to take care of our bodies. God expects us to love this body he has given. I mean, when you look at that photo with all the uh, neurons that's connected throughout your body, God created that. He created that for us to take care of. Not to just disregard and ignore and push to the limit. So ultimately, we need to function out of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You see, we need to attend, commit, conform, or confirm, sorry, from that position, from fruit of the Spirit, from a place where we've been sitting at God's feet and say, yes, God, I want to come and I want to serve for you. Not because I'm told to. Not because if I'm not at church, I'm going to go to hell. It doesn't work like that. That's not the God we serve. Sometimes we need to look at what we are doing and the emotions it's causing in us and say, God, should I be doing this? Or is there something else you have in store for me? Am I in the right department in church? Am I doing what you've called me to do? Am I using my gifts? I want to see where we are. There we go. So when we ask why, God, why do I feel like I don't want to come to church? Why do I feel like I don't want to be here? We have to do something that I call a root cause analysis. We have to go ask the why questions. Why do I feel like this? What is behind this attack from the enemy? Or is it because I have just worked 70 hours and I have two little children at home that haven't seen me? Because God cares about family. God cares about your children. He cares about your relationship with your children. God cares about those things. So do I feel like I should not go to church after such a big week and maybe not serve because I have to invest in my children? Because if I lack that investment with my children, they're going to grow up and say, I never saw my parents. 
I never had parents that were around. They were always working or just at church or just doing stuff they weren't supposed to be doing. Now, this is a very difficult thing because now some of us can say, okay, I'm, not, I'm taking off the serving roster, please. I'm out. There we go. We, we got the permission to not serve in church. And that is not what this is. I want you to go look what lies behind your emotion. Because when you're doing it from a place of shame and guilt, I cannot not serve at, at church. I will be the only one that does not serve. That is shameful. You're bringing shame on yourself. That's not from God. But you see, if you say, okay, why don't I want to serve at church? Or actually, I don't like dealing with children. I don't want to be up there and do the kids' ministry. I hate it. Well, then that's probably why you don't feel like you want to come to church. You've got to change what you're doing at church. Actually, I love singing, so I want to join the band. Now, all of a sudden, you want to come to church. You want to serve God with your voice. You want to run to church. You cannot wait to be put on the roster. You cannot wait to come to band practice. You cannot wait to serve God. Can you see the difference in emotion? So when we function from that place, the neurons in our brain fires different. And our nervous system functions different. And it impacts our body different. And our health different. And we become healthy people. Physically, mentally, and spiritually healthy people. So I use the example here. If you go do a root cause analysis because your children is driving you crazy and you can't deal with it, you cannot get to the answer from, oh, I should just kick my children out of the car because they're driving me crazy. I can't deal with the noise in the car, so let's just boot them out. Kick them out. They can walk from now on. No. That's doing half of the analysis. Why do I feel overwhelmed when the kids are screaming in the car? Why do I feel like I can't even hear myself thinking? What is the association that the noises bring? Maybe something happened in your childhood. Maybe there's trauma that you've got to deal with and God is trying to show you, look, there's something behind this. Not, I'm a bad mother. I can't even deal with my children in the car. I want to boot them out of the car. I don't want them around me. I'm a terrible parent. I'm doing a bad job. I don't give them enough attention. No, that's condemnation. No, I'm not giving them enough attention. Why am I struggling to put my phone down? Why am I struggling to connect with them? What lies behind that? Not condemnation. There lies something behind that that you've got to deal with in your life so that you can function out of the fruit of the Spirit and not from a place of condemnation because that is from the devil. So something that I wrote down here that God gave us the world to rule over it. God gave us the world to rule over it, not to be subject to it. And to a degree, that's to our circumstances as well. The kids are so overwhelming. I cannot get away from my children. I cannot rule over them. Oh, no, actually you can. Go delve deep and find out why they, what's going on behind. Sort that out. Then they won't be driving you crazy anymore. Maybe you've got to step up in discipline. Maybe you've got to sort your own trauma out or your own past experience. Maybe at work, you don't want to put the hours in. Maybe at work, you feel like, I don't want to have this position. Why? Why do you feel that? Is there maybe pride in your life? Or is it because you didn't complete your studies and now you are forced to be in that job? So then go and study. Open, open. Do something that God can open other opportunities for you. 
but now you feel you're worthless because you're stuck in this position at, at a job. You can't get anything else. And you put shame on yourself and condemnation on yourself. And that is not God. So we live, currently we live in a world where we feel, especially with a new generation that comes in, that people should be serving us. I am so important. It's me, myself, and I. And everything should be serving me. People should be serving me. It's part of the consumerism culture and the narcissistic culture that's on the rise. Everything, it's about people serving me. But I felt strongly that God said, you need to start serving yourself. You've got to dish yourself some respect. You've got to dish yourself some mercy. You've got to dish yourself some love and say, let's go and delve in deeper and see what lies behind. Because currently, the devil just comes and he brings a blanket of condemnation over your life and you feel guilty for the bad mom that you are or the bad father that you are. You feel guilty because you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And there's this condemnation that rests on you. But then God says, no, love yourself. Love yourself enough that you want to delve in deeper and get to the root cause of what is going on and sort that out in your life. Sometimes we have to put ourselves first in in this regard. God gave us this body and we need to start caring for it and function from this kind of place. You see, so why does the devil use condemnation? It It sets us up to serve, commit, and function from a place that won't last. Because the fact of the matter is, if you're serving in this church and you're hating what you're doing, it means you're not going to last in this church. Maybe you'll do a couple of months and you'll be out because it's not sustainable to operate from a place of condemnation and shame and guilt. So the devil brings that. I can so see why the devil uses condemnation because it affects every part of our, of our being, actually, without us even knowing it. I think when we were, we've always been taught that condemnation is not of God. It's from the devil. But we've never been taught actually what the effects are of condemnation and what it brings to your life. God will never want that for us. That is not the God we serve. God would never want to harm us. The band can come up, please. So today I want to encourage you. You can go to one slide back maybe. Let me see. Yep. So today I want to encourage you to take the time I want, to, I want you to take the time to say, I'm going to find out what lies behind this. I'm going to find out where does this feeling come from. I'm going to sort it out. Why do you want to do that? Because you want to change where you are. You want to change where you're functioning out of. You don't want to function out of a state of condemnation and guilt and shame. You want to function out of a state from the fruit of the Spirit where it's love and kindness and peace, right? But we have to go look and see, why am I feeling this? What caused this feeling? And then we can come into a state of peace and love. And it's at this space, it's in this space that God can minister to us 
And it's also in this space where God can use you because then you're at your best. But you see, if we bring all the baggage with, and the devil uses this condemnation just to add more baggage to you, because at the end of the day, when you serve and you don't want to be serving in that department, it's adding some baggage on you. And by the time you leave church, you're leaving it with extra baggage going to the next church and entering the next church with more baggage. Can you see the plan of the enemy? That's not from God. So uh, what are we going to do is we are going to, uh, they're going to sing a worship song for us. And we're all going to stand. If you're not coming out for prayer, we can, you can worship with. And you can pray for the people uh, from your seats as well. But I want people who live in a constant state of stress and fear and anxiety and condemnation and shame to come to the front. So why don't we all stand? I just have some, uh, um, something that popped in from my notes from a couple of years ago that I want to read just quickly to you guys. The devil brings condemnation and God brings conviction, right? And the difference between the two, just for so that we are clear, conviction leads us to repentance. Condemnation leads us to despair. Conviction inspires us to keep going and striving onwards, whereas condemnation tells us to give up and quit. Conviction says God will help you. Condemnation says there's no hope for you, right? Conviction shows us the answer, whereas condemnation only shows you the problem. Conviction brings a chance. Condemnation says there is no chance. Conviction drove Peter that denied Christ three times, to repentance. Condemnation drove Judas Iscariot to suicide. You see the difference? And that is why we don't want condemnation in our lives. And that's why condemnation is not from God. Because it's going to drive us into the wrong direction. I'd rather have us as a church being convicted in our hearts by the Holy Spirit towards repentance. Amen.